All right, and welcome uh, to the Recovery Crew uh, here at Deep Waters. I'm Dr. Bob Bear, and I am looking on the screen. Uh, for a, any of you that are watching this on YouTube, you can do that too. But otherwise, you can just hear our melodious voices uh, here today. I have Nico Dorn, John Ray, and Camille Reed here. Nico is our uh, special guest. John Ray is our special guest uh, co-host. And uh, Camille is our regular co-host and uh, the manage, uh, the uh, uh, programs manager of Deep Waters Recovery. John Ray is the uh, founder and executive uh, director and king of uh, Awaken Entrepreneur. We'll hear a little more about that in a bit. And Nico Dorn is the executive director of Alpha 180. Uh, so uh, today, you know, John Ray is an interviewer of sorts by uh, nature and by virtue of his business. Uh, and uh, so today I'm going to kind of turn it over to John Ray here in a little while to interview uh, uh, Nico, who has some very specific, uh, cool information about recovery and how to implement that, especially with young people. Uh, and I, I don't really know what John's got up his sleeve, but I'm going to turn it over to him in a minute. Uh, but if we could first, Camille, here at Deep Waters, would you say what's happening here, please? What are we yeah, up to? <laughs> We're up to our big thing that's going to be happening later this fall is a Deep Waters Intensive or the DWI. That's going to be um, a weekend transformational experience um, for you to do some of your own inner, inner work through bioenergetics, um, psychodrama, and rituals of empowerment. Um, before that, on August 20th, we'll have the experiential facilitators training um, and we'll be training people. You can get certified to staff the DWI. Um, and then also do some of your own work and learn tools to use in action groups as well. Um, we've got a mixed weekly, weekly group for men and women um, to do their own work with Bob and I, which will be starting this week. Um, and then you can also see Bob individually um, for psychotherapy as well. Uh, you can like, follow, share, subscribe to everything that we've got going on, um, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all of the social media. And then you can also find Bob um, on TikTok as a recovery and trauma guy. That's all true. As far as I know, I always get to laugh when she says Bob's on TikTok. Uh, <laughs> I will be checking that out later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some of your guys would probably like it, Nico. It's very irreverent and a uh, little bit edgy. Almost too edgy for John Ray. I can't get him excited about publishing it or putting it out. <laughs> I think he's just a little embarrassed about my uh, rough edges. Uh, but we'll get back to that. Um, so, uh, Nico Dorn, our guest today, is uh, if you listened to last week's uh, uh, episode, you heard some, uh, he told his story. Very compelling. Uh, a, a guy that uh, has authority to help younger people in that he's been there, <laughs> been there and back. And uh, uh, he, uh, he was a, uh, he went to the recover the collegiate recovery program at Texas Tech was a very unique program. Human, uh, he has a, um, a master's degree in human development from Vanderbilt, executive director of Alpha 180, uh, which we'll hear more about here in a moment. He's a TEDx speaker, and he's very focused on uh, helping his team uh, and, and learning about the uh, the uh, the uh, 
unheard of technique of having a healthy staff, like having a work culture full of people who are doing their own work. This is pretty advanced, a pretty advanced and unheard of idea. Very rare, but uh, these are, uh, the, and he's a, he's a good dad and uh, has a good story about that too. Good dad and husband. So, uh, and uh, John Ray, if you want to say more about Awaken Entrepreneur before you launch this thing, you can go for it. Uh, but I'm going to kind of turn it over to you, pal. Uh, thanks for being here, everyone. Yeah, and thanks for having me. I'm at Awaken Entrepreneur, we help purpose-driven entrepreneurs get their message out. So if you've got something on your heart and you're looking for language and, and an audience, I'd love to tune in with you. But really, the, the reason that I wanted to... Uh, jump in and, and host this interview is that that I know everybody's on, on this call is doing some really great work in the recovery space. But one of the things that I think is really interesting about Nico's work at Alpha 180 is that it really is focused on a 17 to 29 demographic and working with young men specifically on helping them you know, not only get sober, but develop life skills. And one of the things that I heard you say last week that I really wanted to dive into a little bit deeper was how, you know, when you were at this program at, at Lubbock uh, around, maybe you can talk a little bit about that recovery program and, and what it looked like. You, you said that the people in that program and a lot of the, those people had been high school dropouts, yourself, yourself included. Now you've got a master's degree and the people coming through those pro that program had some of the highest GPAs at the school. And so I'd love to kind of hear, you, you know, I think a lot of times when it, when I was an addict and an alcoholic, you, you know, in, in college, I thought getting sober was the, this thing that meant that I had to conform to authority and, the, and that I had to get in line with what society wanted. And nobody, well, I wasn't listening at least. Uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't hearing all of the benefits of, of getting sober and, and how it focuses the mind and how it puts you into purpose. And so um, I'm going to read the Alpha 180 mission off the website. It says to provide a safe, effective transitional platform where young men in recovery will discover purpose, thrive socially, and live into their p potential. So Nico, can you unpack that for me a little bit and kind of talk about, you know, why if, if I'm having fun partying with all my friends and, and all, the, all these mean adults are telling me that, that I need to stop doing that, what, why should I listen to, to what those nasty adults who, who, who don't seem to know what they're doing with their life anyway, um, why should I take their advice and, and what would be the value in entering a program like yours at Alpha 180? That's a great question. I mean, I think we have the pressure on us to grab the attention of a young man pretty quickly. Um, you know, when we were formulating the program, we kind of had to ask ourselves, like, well, well, what does a young guy care about at the end of the day? Um, and I think first and foremost, he cares about being cool. He cares about being liked and accepted. Um, he cares about being a, a part of a, a group that he feels that he has value in, and he cares about his future. Um, and so I think uh, for a lot of especially folks that have problem substance use, like when it kind of goes a little bit farther, they start getting those needs met by their substance. They start, you know, drinking and using makes them feel cool. It makes them feel a part of it. It gives them a sense of self-esteem in the world. Um, and eventually, 
for a lot of us that catches up to us. And so then someone says, okay, you have to make this change. Well, how do we make recovery attractive? We have to meet all those needs that the substance was meeting through the recovery process. So at Alpha 180, it's very important that we make recovery cool and inviting by, you know, when a guy shows up, like people are there to greet you and we do cool activities and we host events and we just pump them with these experiences that make it kind of undeniable, like my life's getting better and recovery doesn't suck as bad as I thought it was going to. And despite themselves, they just like it. <laughs> so yeah, that's where it starts. Yeah, I think that's a, a great way of putting it. And and one of the things that I heard you say in, in last week in in the interview was that, you know, for you the the uh, you know relationship that you had with substances in in high school put you into a friend group. Like it, it was the easiest way to kind of get over a place of feeling unworthy or not really knowing where you fit in, not necessarily having developed any core competences yet and it gave you a friend group and and people that you could practice being cool for for lack of a better phrase um one of the things that that i found interesting when i first visited the alpha 180 campus is that you guys are smack dab in the middle of all of these other frat houses you you, you know you see beer cans all over the place in the in the front yards of, of these other houses they they've clearly been doing jello shots all night and I always thought that that was such an interesting way to run a, a sober living home be, because a lot of people, I think, get into a fraternity because they're basically buying a friend group. They're, they're buying a network of people. And that, that's similar to what Alpha 180 is offering. And, and so maybe you can speak a, a little to, bit to, you know, how is that received when, when somebody's trying to get over substance and alcohol abuse and the guys across the street are playing beer pong you know, what, why is that a value add for, for somebody who's trying to get sober? You seem to know, sure. a lot about, you seem to know a lot about things like beer pong and, and jello shots there, John. <laughs> well, uh, I, know, I, sp right? I spent over a decade playing beer pong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have to point out that the frat houses are at least a couple of blocks away. They're not right next door, but they are certainly close by. And I think, First is exactly what I just said. Conceptually, I think a lot of people think that the way to get sober is to just remove all of this temptation. And, you know, just neurologically at the very early stages of recovery, it is a very black and white thing. Like I have, when it's in front of me, my brain goes crazy and, and I just want it and the obsession kicks in. But we're an aftercare program. So our job is not dealing with that very, very first stage of recovery. That's what residential treatment does. Our job is to help them internalize this lifestyle change. And the lifestyle change is a lot less about removing triggers and a lot more about those core needs that I was talking about. And so I think that young adults, you know, they're, they're smart, you know, like they know when they're being tricked into something. So we can't trick them into thinking that recovery is going to give them their life back when we're not putting them back into life, you know? So we are very intentional about our location because when you wake up at Alpha 180 and you're, you know, close to the University of Texas and, you know, there's the opportunity to party or whatever, you have to make a decision. I'm choosing recovery today. No one's making it for you. Your parents didn't choose it for you. You're choosing it for yourself. And the reason you're choosing it is because you've got these people around you and it's fun and it's cool and you're a part of. 
And so then it becomes internal, then it becomes really your choice. And it's so much more powerful. Um, and I think that's, that's just a, a mistake that about how we think about addiction is that, you know, you can just stop somebody from using and you've solved it. No, it's really about this, this internal process that's happening. So I love where we're located, because I think our guys feel like, dang, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do with my life. I'm living in downtown Austin, going to school, I'm choosing recovery. Um, I think that's very empowering, because it makes it real. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a great location. And, you know, when I was attempting to to get sober and and still kind of oscillating back and forth you know it's really easy to hole up in, in in an apartment somewhere and and get sober and when there's no temptations you convince yourself that ah, I did it I I didn't need a program I didn't need anything I was able to do it and and then the second that you reintroduce yourself to a quote unquote regular life and and go downtown or or you're hanging out at a bar, but, but not drinking, you know, those temptations come back and they come with big feelings attached to them. And one of the things that I think being in the location that you're out and, and having somebody have to figure out how, what it looks like to be sober in the midst of all of that is that you're giving them a safe space to kind of feel through some of that emotional tension. And as much as I give Bob a hard time for his, his TikTok, I, I think that he does such a good job of kind of modeling what it looks like when those big feelings come up in, in the real world and, and creating an awareness that, that part of this work is creating the emotional capacity for those triggers. So, Bob, maybe, maybe you, I don't know if that was your intention for, for your TikTok or, or if it's just part of your stand-up comedy career, but maybe you can talk a little bit about why, why one, community is so important in, in recovery, you know, from your professional uh, experience, I see a lot of degrees behind you. Um, maybe, you can make, maybe you can speak about community um, in recovery, why that's important, and maybe from your perspective, why you think Alpha 180 is having the success that they're having. Yeah, well, you're looking, I don't know, those of you that have YouTube, you're looking at it. Nico Dorn has a story of his own. He also happens to be a good clinician, which is like, and I'm a pretty good clinician, but, uh, and I have lots of degrees and shit, you're right. And, uh, and none of those uh, prepare me to help a person with addiction. Addiction is, uh, you know, it's in the diagnostic statistic manual, which I know Nico has been studying deeply lately as he's, uh, um, uh, but actually that, that was developed, uh, those diagnoses were developed by psychiatrists uh, who, uh, uh, you know, they're doing their best. They're trying to medicate people who are addicted to medications. <laughs> it's like, don't get me started. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with the clinical intervention. Uh, there's some good ones. None of them are adequate to address the disease of addiction. Once we've gone over that line and become a pickle, and we used to be a cucumber, once you've gone over that line, there is no going back. There is no medication that's going to get you there. The only thing that works, and they found that out in 1935, uh, Nico's boss, uh, Bobby Ferguson, is, is like a walking big book of Alcoholics Anonymous back in 1935, they found out that there is a solution. After thousands of years of bleeding people, and um, I don't know what other kind of bizarre interventions were 
created, but the, the essence of why it works <laughs> is it's one alcoholic to another. And all of the other 12-step programs are identical. It's one codependent person to another. It's one Al-Anon, somebody who's trying to rescue. The, the only solution to stop somebody from rescuing is another person who is in recovery and found that spiritual path of stopping the rescuing. <laughs> right? You know, Nico deals with family members doing the rescue day to day to day. Executive director is probably, it falls in your lap more than anyone else. Uh, but that's a disease of, it's the same addiction. It just manifests differently. And mom looks better because she's caring for this kid. The kid doesn't look so great because he's almost dead with needles in his arms. And right. He looks like the one who's sicker, but mom's just as compulsive and obsessive. The only, so you can't stop it. That is a train that, that try to stop a mom <laughs> from rescuing their son. That is an incoming train, brother. There is only one thing that, it, that will interrupt it, and that's another mom who used to be a train. <laughs> and it's another way to talk about community, right? Community is the intervention for addiction, and it is the only thing that works. And so it's the community, and then the 12 steps are divinely inspired. They came through a uh, little group of guys uh, in the 30s. Uh, guys and girls just like us, probably not brilliant necessarily, but it, they happen to be open to this. Uh, so this particular solution. So for people that actually work the steps of the 12 steps, uh, it's about 100 percent. Oh, Bob was onto something good and he froze up. Am I am I back yet? <laughs> am I back yet? You're back. You're back. You're back so, on. So that the the, the point is. For people that work the 12 steps, it's about a hundred percent success rate. And it takes a community to keep a person involved enough to actually work the steps. So I'm so grateful that I live in a time where we have a solution, you know? And uh, uh, so that's my response to community. The only other thing I'll point at is there's a, there's another uh, thing that alpha is uh, knows alpha 180 knows about it. Uh, uh, the 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 um, the last resort recovery uh, recovery center knows about it, and that is, you better be healing trauma too, in combination with uh, with uh, addressing the addiction, or because trauma resolution is relapse prevention. And we uh, I've been invited uh, to be part of uh, Alpha 180's program called the Rite of Passage, where these young men get to uh, have an initiation of sorts. Uh, about uh, becoming becoming men you know that's a, that's the short version we could talk more about that in another interview probably but all right be careful what you ask me john because it's <laughs> hard to shut them up all right thank you no i appreciate that perspective and and i think you know what it points to and and i agree wholeheartedly that for me i didn't feel like i was in healthy sobriety until i had started to treat that internal trauma before then i wanted to point to external circumstances i wanted to use willpower and and mind power and you know, one of the things that I think is is interesting about about Alpha 180, and and maybe Nico, you can speak to what, what I've been calling kind of adventure sobriety. Um, I'm I interviewed someone um, a while back uh, when I was in Hawaii, and I was surprised to find out that Hawaii has one of the highest suicide rates in the entire United States because 
someone, you, a lot of people move to Hawaii and they think, oh, if I, if I just move to paradise, then maybe I'll feel better. Because if I can change this external stuff, may, maybe that'll make me feel different internal. And then what they figure out is that they're even more miserable in paradise. And so, you, you know, that speaks to, hey, there's something internal inside of me that has to be healed. And I'm going to bring that wherever I go. And one of the things that I love about Alpha 180 is that you are, you know, going on, on adventures and going kayaking and doing the stuff that his, historically maybe people only, maybe the, these men that come to you only knew how to do it drinking. They only knew how to have fun drinking. And there is a kind of reprogramming that has to happen that says, hey, you can have fun and you can be in community and, and you can build something meaningful in your life without having to amplify it with substance. And so can you talk a little bit about, you know, what that looks like and, and kind of the, the, the narrative arc that somebody goes on when, when they are having to kind of be reintroduced to how to engage with all aspects of life as a sober person? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've already kind of said it, but um, one of the biggest fears, especially for a young person, is how am I going to have fun now that I'm sober? Um, and if you've been, you know, using to the point of it becoming a problem in your life, there's a good chance that you haven't had fun without using substances in quite a while. So those things feel very linked. Um, and what we believe is, you know, you absolutely can't tell somebody that it's going to be fun. They have to experience it for themselves. Um, and so we want to have a really, you know, just robust array of experiences and opportunities for these young guys so that they can find out what am I passionate about? What do I enjoy doing? Because what addiction does is um, it will slowly start to make things that used to be fun, unfun for you. You know, the only thing that's rewarding anymore is the substance use itself. So, you know, we do some smaller things like locally with camping or hiking or, you know, jumping in Barton Springs. And then we do some bigger things like going on camping trips or, or snowboarding trips. Um, and, you know, when you are sitting on a ski lift with your buddy going up the mountain and you've never gone skiing before um, and you're sitting there and you're just kind of looking around the mountain and thinking, wow, the only reason I'm here right now is because of my recovery you can't deny that it's working, you know? And so those are the types of things we try to do with our guys is to just put them in these positions um, to where it's happening inside of them and they're having fun despite themselves. Um, and then it really starts to become real. Yeah. I'm, I think that's cool. And, and, you know, one of the things that I'd love to gone is you know it, I know from my own sobriety story that when you're hanging out with a bunch of you know cool guys that are really in, into recovery and and you're going off on these adventures and traveling it does make it a little bit easier and and, and so you know what alpha is providing is a bridge what what do you think some of the biggest challenges when somebody now is stepping away from that kind of safe container and and maybe they don't have the 24/7 support system what are some of the challenges that that people go through and how do you set up the men in your program to be successful as they kind of wean off of um the teat of alpha 180 so to speak it's a long process um 
the guys that come into our program, you know, they're varying degrees of, of life skills and, and mental health and even just motivation for recovery. So, you know, the way that I conceptualize it is, you know, at the center, you have this community of these guys doing it together. And around it, you have an array of services that we provide. So we do life skills coaching. We do therapy. Uh, we help them learn how to do basic things like budget and shop. We have these excursions and events. Um, and over that time, we can really help them, the time that they're at Alpha 180, build competence in these life areas so that when they go out, they know how to do these basic day-to-day -day things. And we've had time to to get them plugged into a vision for their life. So by the time they leave, hopefully they're, they're maybe taking a couple of college classes. Hopefully they have a job that they're at least reasonably excited about with prospects for growth. Um, and then we also keep them plugged into the community. So when you leave Alpha 180, the door's not shut. You can continue to come back um, and utilize those services or just you know come for the events and hang out with your friends there. So ideally that process happens you know, slowly over time. So you're not just launched into the world. Um, but it's a long process uh, with young adults because a lot of times they're going from, you know, a kind of adolescent level of functioning where a lot of people are doing things for them to needing to do it for themselves. So um, to, to wrap it up, I think that life skills piece is really important. I think what leads a lot of young people to relapse is facing a challenge and they just can't do it. They just don't know you know, okay, I, I didn't show up to work a couple of times and I got fired and now I'm faced with suck it up and go find a new job or say screw it and go use. And so when they face those challenges at Alpha 180, we can help them walk through it. But later they need to be able to do it on their own. So we have to really prepare them for navigating those real life experiences that could become relapse opportunities. Yeah, I agree that those life skills are so important. And and Camille, I'm, I know that you're a seasoned recovery coach in your own right, and that you're doing similar work as Nico with women and helping them build out that toolkit. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, for, for you, what do you see people as they approach those challenges? What are some of the tools that they need to, to have practiced in the, in some way so so that they don't immediately run from those challenges yeah um and a lot of it is what nico was saying you know on the peer side of it it's just me coming to them building like the trusting relationship of hey i'm not your authority i'm not trying to say like here's what you have to do like let's sit down and look at the big task ahead of us and break it down into attainable pieces you know and it's like I understand this is like hard and you've never done this before and you know you may have been like supported by your parents up until whatever age and now you're just released into the world but why don't we just sit here and try and do it together like that's where the whole peer side comes into it of I'm going to sit here with you like let's do this together like you're not all on your own and just having somebody a lot of times it is like, okay, here, let me help explain how to do these steps. And a lot of it is maybe we just need to sit somewhere and they need to do it. And if you have questions, like I'm here, just ask me kind of thing. Um, and when I first start working with people, you know, it's a lot of hands-on things. And then slowly, slowly over time, we just like start to trickle away. And when I finally see somebody that's like, really doing things on their own and like I'm only meeting them like once a week you know we get to have that conversation of hey like I think you're like ready to fly now <laughs> like you're doing really really well and I tell them too like I'm always here like if any if something comes up and you still like have 
you know, an issue with it. It's something new that you've never done. Like, just pick up the phone and call me. Like, I'm still here. Like, meet up for coffee and let me help you. Like, you're still not on your own. Like, yes, you are on your own, but you've built up the skills and the abilities and like you've adapted to your environment to be able to stand on your own two feet. And if I can just briefly add, I think kind of what Camille's saying is like teaching them how to ask for help and making that a lifestyle. Like I ask for help all the time, you know, Um, it never stops. And because I think, you know, addiction and relapse and even just struggling in the world is just so connected to shame. It's like, it's not that I don't want to fill out this job application. It's that I don't want to be seen as a failure or, a, or dumb or whatever. And, you know, you put a couple of those kind of uh, speed bumps in front of somebody and they're in a fragile point in their recovery. It quickly becomes a shame story inside of our head and then relapse feels like a good idea. So if we can, you know, make help, asking for help okay, we might ward off a lot of potential pitfalls. Yeah. I love that. And, and I want to kind of start to bring us to a close be, because I know that we're coming up on, on a hard stop here, but you know, this idea of kind of confronting challenge, you, you, so, sometimes you, you hear that tossed around as, as confronting the shadow. Um, and, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear for everybody on the call kind of as a fun question to, to close off and, and to give you a container to say any final thoughts that you have. You know, what does embracing the shadow mean for you? And, and I'll start off. For me, one of the reasons that I used to relapse uh, is because I was unwilling to feel how uncomfortable the challenge in front of me was. And, and, be, and, and just like you mentioned, Nico, I was unwilling to feel the shame of what it meant about me to have to go and ask somebody for help. And as I learned to be able to hold space for those uncomfortable feelings, it really allowed me to put my toolbox in, into um, greater practice and, and, and to learn more things be, because instead of thinking I had to know everything right then myself, I could lean on or stand on the shoulders of of giants that were already there, that were already modeling it. So for me, embracing the shadow is just having a a willingness to explore some of the uncomfortable things within me without projecting those forward. So Dr. Bear, I'm going to let you go, go last. So you, so you think about a really good answer, but, but let's, let's turn it over to Nico. Um, What is embracing the shadow? Well, first I want to point out that I like that you said we're going to end with a really fun question like what does embrace yeah. the shadow? Yeah. I mean, just a light, you know, so just fun. cap it off with something light. Um, you know you know what? Fe- feeling my feelings has become such a fun part of my life that, that, that I guess I have a, a skewed perspective on it. <laughs> well, um, it, I mean, it's a good question. It's important. I think, you know, I would put a slightly different twist on it. I think for me, um, you know, we have these parts of ourselves that we kind of put in containers of like things I like about myself, things I don't like about myself, good, bad. Um, and I've tried to look at these, these parts of myself that I may not necessarily like as things that I need to turn to even more, you know, like for me, it's, um, you know, being sensitive. Like I don't like to be called sensitive. Well, being sensitive is a gift, you know, um, or being a perfectionist kind of on the flip side. Um, well, perfectionism, you know, 
drives me to strive for more and makes me want to grow and see what I'm capable of. And so I think um, embracing the shadow to me is just about accepting all parts of myself and allowing um, things that I might struggle with to be strengths. And I think over time, I hope I'm slowly integrating those parts of myself more and more into this person that's, that's just great, just the way that I am. Um, Cause I can also see, you know, even in some of the language you used, like we just kind of want to put these things about ourselves as bad. Like we're just as humans maybe wired to, to give ourselves some negative messages. So for me, it's noticing, am I looking at this part of myself as something that's wrong with me or am I trying to embrace it as part of what makes me me? Mm. Yeah. I love that. Camille, how about you embracing the shadow? Yeah. Mine's kind of similar to Nico. Um, I think for me, it's just becoming friends with all of the darkest, ugliest parts of myself. You know, after um, I first got sober, there was so much shame and fear around dark, ugly parts of myself that appeared during my addiction cropping back up in sobriety. And I was so scared that like an old version of myself was going to appear. And I was like, well, that, you know, and having a lot of like fear and shame around that. Um, when in reality, you know, it's a lot of, it's helpful for me in my life to know what that is, where it comes from, um, when it shows up, what it's trying to tell me, just becoming friends with it and knowing like every part of me is okay. Like similar to what Nico said. So mm. friends with the shadow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And Dr. Bear embracing the shadow. And then I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to turn this whole show back over to you for you to round us out. All right. Well, I don't know. Uh, I wrote the question on there and you read, you read it too. I just write things that I like to talk about. Uh, but the, the, uh, the shadow, you know, Jung, Dr. Jung, Dr. Carl Jung, uh, referred to it in many different ways. One way is that the shadow is the part of us that is repressed, hidden, and denied. The part of us that we don't think we have. And he was very clear, and he's not talking about the, the, the dark parts of us that are bad. It's not bad. It's just dark. We can't see it. You got to get a good flashlight. And uh, it, uh, I don't know, I think I might have just froze there, but Jung was really just talking about not in a moral way, but we've got to create, uh, we've got to look at it as part of us, right? So it, it's related to this thing that I say a lot. There's nothing more dangerous than too much safety, right? Most of us clinicians are very trying to make everything very safe. Oh, don't say anything that will uh, trigger anyone. Oh my God. And then what happens is the, the, the shadow stays hidden. And you want to talk about a dangerous container, a container where it's not okay to say, I'm fucking angry <laughs> or, or, uh, you know, I mean, say, and I know I've been around the, and that's what we do at the rite of passage. It's a little bit wild wilder than the than the other environments where we do addiction treatment usually and and i'm telling you especially these young guys that nico and i work with need a place to get wild every once in a while to bring that the full range of who we are out and then kind of bring it back and walk back into into society in somewhat of a civilized manner uh, but at least we don't have the pressure underneath us of the shadow that wants some form of expression right? So embrace the shadow. How about that? I like it. All right. Well, 
I think that's about all we have time for. So, Dr. Bob, do you do you want to give us an exit roll call and and then we'll be be done for the day? <laughs> yes. So that's all it is. Is uh, let's get Nico and John Ray uh, to just let folks know how you can be reached, and then Camille will give uh, let folks know what's going on at uh, Deep Waters. Sure. So. Um... Alpha 180 is a transitional living program and outpatient treatment center for young adult men in downtown Austin, Texas. Um, and we can be found at alpha180.com. If anyone wants to talk to me directly, uh, my email address is nico at alpha180.com, N-I-C-O um, at A-L-T-H-A-180.com. So thanks. Thanks, Nico. Thanks. And I'm John Ray uh, over at awaken-entrepreneur.com. If you are a heart-centered entrepreneur or you have something on your heart that's a message that you want to get out into the world so that you can affect positive change, I'd love to help you find that language and put together a strategy to get it to more people. So awaken-entrepreneur.com. Thanks, John. Nice. Um, and then deep waters, um, keep an eye out for the deep waters intensive later this fall. And then you can sign up now for the experiential facilitators training on August 20th at deepwatersrecovery.com. Um, you can also find resources to get with Bob or myself. Um, and yeah, find everything there. Great. So thanks so much, uh, Nico, uh, John. Camille, uh, very juicy conversation. I really feel like we opened several doors for eight, probably eight more podcasts, but let's leave this here for today. Uh, appreciate you guys. I really appreciate everyone listening to the, to the recovery crew here at Deep Waters. Uh, you're in the deep waters now.